Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined again by Phil Oakley. How are you doing, Phil? Very good, thank you, John. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what have you been writing about this week? Uh, we're going we're gonna to just talk companies this week again, which is good. Yeah. I know you love talking about companies. Yeah. There's lots to talk about this week. Where should we start? I read a piece in the magazine about WH Smith's travel business. Okay, well, okay so there's a theme then. Yeah, the yeah. theme this week is travel. Yeah. The travel. Because we're going to talk about EasyJet as well. We are. We're going to talk about On the Beach. And we're going to talk about, about Aston Martin, which is a kind of travel. Indeed. Albeit a very expensive kind of travel. Let's start then with WH Smith. You get to the airport. You realise you, you get through customs. You've had to throw your water away. Uh, yeah. You need, you're, you're thirsty. You've, you've, you've left your book at home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> W. H. Smith. So we park. So what I did with this is I uh, sort of parked the the high street side of it to one side, for, which, which is good because the high street yeah, side I mean, of it is it, horrific as an as a shopping experience. Yeah. The original cover line we had for this was the state of W. H. Smith, which Rosie had written, which I which I said because I think she was referring to the high street business because everyone's experience of that is it's it's kind of run down. Uh, they're not really investing in it. It's not really the future of WH Smith. Well, I think a lot of people are very surprised that it hasn't gone bust. You know, those that don't look at numbers and results like you and I do and lots of others do, they scratch their heads about WH Smith. Because they experience the high street business. Yeah. Which is, which is a horrible shopping experience. But the travel business is very, very strong. Yeah. And this is perhaps underestimated by the market. Yeah, this is what has made the shares actually been a pretty good investment over the last few years. And they have done an extremely good job running it. And they've got a lot of things in their favour. You know, as you alluded to a couple of minutes ago in your introduction, you know, you get through the barriers at the, at the airport. And most of this is, is airports now. Probably about half half the business in terms of, of stores, just under half is airports. An increasing number of those airports are o- overseas. The rest is um, train stations, railway stations, motorway service stations, hospitals. All places where you have captive customers. Yep. Usually... Not huge amounts of competition, bit of competition, not huge amounts of competition. This allows you to charge higher prices. Yeah, the, the price of a chocolate bar in a WH Smith's uh, train station outlet is, is, is quite substantially higher than the price yeah. of a chocolate bar in, yeah. say, a uh, Tesco petrol station. Yeah, and we had, you know, we had the conversation you know, off air about you know, like the meal, my, my sort of meal deal experience in... Alicante Airport last spring, which was like nine euros, and you could have p- probably picked up the same same one in the UK for three or four quid. And I'm quite sympathetic to the view of you know that this is a little bit too much, shall we say? But people are on holiday; they are less; they're probably more free and easy with their money. Needs must, and they're there. And um, they they do very well. Having said that, W. Smith has faced some criticism about the prices it charges, particularly in hospitals. Yeah, where uh, it's kind of seen as gouging. As I say, I'm sympathetic to this. I mean, last week I wrote about high margins being a sign of sign of danger, and when I was going through this and looking at this and looking at the margins that W. H. Smith is making, particularly in the UK. Um, because you can get into the numbers here and you can work out what the UK business and what the 
what the overseas business is making. The, the UK travel business is making margins of 17%. 17% for selling bars of chocolate, bottles of water, magazines. I mean, they don't, their costs, they keep very low. So you don't see many staff in a WH Smith these days. The cost, the cost per square foot in, a, in an airport is pretty expensive. You mean for the, for the real estate? For the concession, yeah. yeah and, it's, the- and it's turnover-based rent as well. So you, you're giving away percentage of your margin away to the landlord. But, but in terms of other costs, it's very lean, very lean. Yeah, I mean, especially when, I mean, if you look at, you know, just in my experiences of walking around airports and, and so on, a lot of self-service tills have been mm. put into these businesses to get customers in and out quickly. And that that is one of one of the skills. But you know, going back to your hospital comment, um, yeah, it is. It, you know, I look at. I have to say, the more and more I look at high margin businesses now, I, I just start thinking, how long can this last? What what can take this away? There's a very fine line between something that is a really great business and something which is just an unsustainable gouging. But I mean, what sort of proportion of W. H. Smith's essentially travel business yeah. is hospitals? Yeah. So, so there's about 560 or in the UK. And about 150 of those are airports. And then this year, um, hospitals have actually become the next biggest, probably get to sort of the mid-130s. Mm. And then you've got sort of 125, 130 in equally in um, railway stations and service stations. And the service station business is a franchise business. And then the rest is in places like um, bus stations, few workplaces, that kind of thing. And hosp- the, the hospitals have been doing very well for them. Oh, I bet they have. Um, but you know what? What stops this happening? I mean, uh, you know, is is the land? You know, the landlord does very well out of these things because the landlord is generally taking a chunk of turnover. Well, I guess given that the NHS needs every penny it can get, it's not going to turn, turn its nose up at a few quid from, yeah. Uh, yeah. from a WH Smith's concession. And nor will network rail or, or, or airports. Indeed. And, and given the political uh, shambles that we're seeing in the UK, I, I would imagine dealing with uh, the price of chocolate bars in a hospital is quite far down the list of things that politicians are going to be paying attention to. Yeah, but you can always bring your own with you. That's true. I mean, not water... You know, but um, well, you can I think bring, you, you can know, bring a bottle of water. But I think one one thing that's interesting though, you look at you look at the margins, and there is a the margins in the UK business are double those that are being earned in the overseas airports business, and you know maybe maybe the UK is a bit of a special situation. Do I think that the UK, the overseas airports business can get to seventeen percent margin? I'm not not sure because if you look at where, where are those um, overseas? Yeah, so so you've got essentially you've got about two eighty, two eighty five, and about eighty of them in Europe, and then the rest are sort of equally spread, um, sort of South America, and also a big big push into um, Asia, Australia, Australasia, Southeast Asia. And then, obviously, at the end of November, they bought um, a tech technology airports concessions business in, in the United States with about 140 stores. So about half, so 114 stores. Is that their first big push into the US? 
Well, they did have they did have a business in the US about fifteen, sixteen years ago, and they sold out of it. Yeah, but I mean, they, but uh, this but this is their but it wasn't but it wasn't the, the, the kind of scale that they've got now. So this is the sort of big push into the American airports and, concessions uh, business. And airport retail has changed considerably in the last fifteen. Yes, I mean, I, I, the, the last time I went through Stansted, it was very different to the you know the first time I went through Stansted. It, it is a shopping experience more than it is an airport these days. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the airport owners have always seen retail as a way to, you know, make more money per passenger. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting business because you know you look at you look at how well W H Smith is doing. I think you've got to hand W H Smith a lot of credit. Um, they seem to have employed a lot of the tactics that they've done in their high street business, which is getting out of unprofitable categories, changing the mix. You know, the, these guys are smart retailers. This is what comes across here. This is this is a very smart, very adept retailing company. I, I guess that I mean a lot of the credit for that that transformation went to Kate Swan, uh, and there was a, there was a big concern when she left the business, went to SSP, which I think you also mentioned in the yeah. piece. But but and, and so there were worries that that you know new management wouldn't wouldn't have quite the impact that Kate Swan did. But but they seem to have uh, have, have uh, defied any fears that that there were. They seem to be very good at growing sales, changing the mix, and obviously as this gets bigger, because it's run as a separate business, it has it's getting a buying power advantage as well. And one of the things that I touch on in the in the article is how much the gross margin has improved over the last decade, and it's been an amazing cumulative gross margin improvement story as well. And it, so, is it, so that is an it, the numbers you've got in this table. Each one of those is an annual improvement yeah, in gross margin yeah. that, that have, have uh, added up to quite a significant number. What one thousand three hundred twenty basis Thir- points? Yeah, thirteen percent. Thirteen point two percent. Yeah, you know, you start scratching your head because you look at you look at some of the other sort of global travel retailers, a, a Swiss company called Duffrey, and then they've got an offshoot which they've just floated off in America called Hudson's. Um, who are doing similar? There's more, much more duty free in that. You know, probably half of Duffery's business is selling perfume and booze, and they're only making five percent. And he's thinking, wow, you know, W H Smith is making eight nine percent outside the UK, and it's making seventeen percent in the UK. And you just think, you start, you start thinking, what is this? Is this? Is there something wrong here? Is, and and I think I've looked, you know, I've, I tried to sort of kick the tires and think, is this a is this a scam? Is it too good to be true? Um, and I don't think it is. I, I I think they deserve a lot of credit. I think what is going to happen though is that clearly the expansion of the business, the growth of this business, is going to come from overseas airports concessions, and I don't think they're going to be able to make the same kind of margins they are in the UK. So you're going to get a different extra additional profit. It's not going to be as big. The extra profit from the growth in terms of margin, the margin mix of the business is going towards lower than it is now. Do we know how that, that margin is 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 reached in terms of the, the product mix that it sells? Is that no. something we can get into from the accounts? No. Yeah, that that would be quite interesting. There's, to been, find a that big, out. there's been a big push on things like technology products. So... Yeah. Things like battery packs, um, headphones, um, various various gadgets, 
What about ready to ready to go food? I mean, you mentioned ready, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so, so I mean, if you if so you, the two if in, that were like Marks and Spencers and things like that, so you could probably make a pretty decent margin on that on an yeah. airport sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know that might start to explain some of the differences in the margin mix between the UK and, and overseas, where it has big established relationships in place on online such as, such as ready to go food. Yeah, and I think this is what they've been very good at. I think they've been very good at tailoring their offer to the to the specific location. So, for example, in the hospitals, you know they want to be seen to be good operators. Healthy, healthy sandwiches, lower calorie sandwiches, and that kind of thing, with in partnership with Marks and Spencers, that's done. That's done very well for them. And um, you know, maybe in the sort of bigger airports, the big London airports, it might be more tech. Yeah. And where where the passenger might be waiting around for a lot longer uh, than say a short haul um, uh, short haul travel, they can perhaps. Tinker that, tinker that product offering. Tinker the staff. Tinker the layout of the store. Well, we see, see a few more books at airport retailers. Yeah, you've got specialists. You've got, there are a few specialist book bookstores in in there as well. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I look at this. I take a step back, and you know me. If I if I could find a downer on something, I will. And well, that's often the best way to look at a business. Yeah, what could go wrong rather than I, what, what's right? I have a lot of admiration for this as a business. You know the cash generation is good. Yeah, you know they they've got very very good reputation as well now, and you can see that in the win rate. You know they're winning a lot of contracts overseas because they have the credibility, and because their turnover base rents, the landlord's going to look at these concession operators and say, which one of these operators is going to make me the most money? So, so when you say they're winning contracts, uh, they're they're essentially winning a, a bid for to run to run a concession in an yeah. airport. So, yeah. so that doesn't. I mean, they, they've obviously bought this big business in the or bigish business in the US. Yeah, they they don't necessarily need to acquire to expand in that in that case. They it gives them a platform to go into other airports and try and win new concessions. But but they actually have now they have that platform. They they have the kind of the, the demonstration vehicle for for what they can do. Yes, yes, but obviously this is not this is not an ever you know an evergreen business. These these um, concessions tend to last five or ten years, mm. and then you have to retender them. But the the contract retention rate is is extremely good. Do you, do you like SSP? We talked about Kate Swan. Yeah, do you, you, yeah. I, same sort of thing. Is she, is she, bit different. It's more food and drink, and. It's um, spun out of um, Compass Group. Oh yeah, of course it was. Yeah, and um, yeah, I do like SSP as a business um, for for similar reasons. It is different in that it is more food based, and it also runs concessions for you know brands like Starbucks. So it's you know Starbucks obviously is going to be taking a slice of the pie, whereas. WH Smith is running its own proprietary brands. Mm. Okay, it's selling Marks and Spencer's sandwiches, but it's not running brands for others. And uh, yeah, SSP is, um, is, is again is a very good business. Yeah, an, inter- an interesting model. So, uh, yeah, I mean both both have been really good shares to own. Um, I guess the big question with WH Smith and SSP, but let's stick to WH Smith, where we what we're really talking about. Is there more to go? Yeah. Is it still worth buying? Yeah, I think so. I think I think this um, play on the overseas airports market, their their share of this market is tiny still. Um, I think they've got a lot of firepower through internal cash generation, 
the balance sheet it's got a little bit of debt on it following the in motion acquisition but they've got a lot of firepower that they can throw at this so i i would i would expect them to continue to do quite well and what what do they do with the, the high street business because i mean it's... manage the decline of it you yeah. know close manage manage the the maturing lease leases on the portfolio get out of stores that are um, you know, not doing very well, and just just keep on doing what they're doing. I I don't think they can keep holding the profits um, where they are. That you know, the profits are going to keep going down in that business, in my opinion. But I think they'll get offset by you know, travel is getting towards two thirds of the profits now. It's going to get a bigger and bigger chunk, and this will then, if it isn't already, it's going to be viewed more and more as a um, a travel business with much more attractive characteristics and. Uh, I think that 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 bodes well. All I would say is it's not recession proof. You know, clearly we saw after the financial crisis. You know, airport passengers do go down as well as up. Um, same with rail passengers, but they've grown the profits every year since they demerged this business from the news distribution business. They've grown the profits every year, even through bad times. And as they become more international, the, the kind of the the, the localized recession risk. Diminishes. It's, yeah, it's, it's the global, global recession we need to worry about. Yeah, yeah. You know, if air, if air travel, you know, starts going down, then this business will suffer. Okay, let's talk about air travel. So you've you've got your sandwich, yeah. You've got your water, you've got your magazine, yeah. Uh, you want to get on the plane, EasyJet. Yeah, not such a good week. No, here. I think this was a bit of a a little bit of a surprise. Well, it's, uh, it's the tip of the year of ours, and everything is. looked like it was doing really well actually uh, towards the end of last year, and the shares actually continued to to motor ahead in 2018. But the, but the reversal has been sharp, and 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 obviously took another turn for the worse this week. What's what's going on there? <sighs> too few passengers and too many seats. Mm. Um, <sighs> it, it's hard. I mean, it's the, the, there's been obviously a lot of a lot of distress in this sector. Wow went out of business. We've got Fly BE that's hanging on by its fingertips. Cancelled a few flights this week, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, uh, sure. I, I'd never heard of Wow, I must admit, yeah, before I'd, this I'd week. Yeah, I'd never heard of them either. Um, but we've had that. Monarch has obviously gone. And even you know, even Ryanair has been you know struggling to grow its profits. But but the the rationale for, for being bullish on, on EasyJet was the fact that the smaller operators were, were disappearing uh, and the, that capacity was being taken out of the market yeah. and, 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 gi- well, and giving EasyJet the room to, to, to grow into. And it may as well still be a reason to be bullish long term. I think the weakness in, in passenger demand, um, certainly in terms of the outlook statement for the peak summer selling season, you know, that's what's shaken, shaken. I mean, the shares have come back a bit since Monday, I think, when when the uh, the sort of profit warning was announced, but they are you know they are putting a lot more seats into the market as are Ryanair, and you know you've got to fill these seats without cutting prices. And I think the comment made about the summer, uh, and you know probably got analysts thinking they're going to have to cut the prices to put to fill these planes up. Why are people not booking? I mean, they did that, that, I, I'm pretty sure I heard the B word mentioned a couple of times yeah, in relation word, to this statement. The B words mentioned a lot, and um, you know, it's not as if the planes aren't going to fly, and you're not, you know, you're not going to be able to get through passport control at the other end. But having said that, but it's, it's enough to make certain yeah, people I wary. Think it, I think it know, has made. Uh, I think it has made people wary. I think the currency 
which has been a factor for a couple of years but ago. It's been, but it's been flat. It's been flat for, for, but it's, for but a it's, while. But I, I, maybe, I think, you know, you look at, it's not just the UK side, so you're not, not just looking at the UK side here, you know, there's a significant European business here. And European European economies don't look too well at the moment. And, I'm, you know, and I think this is a sign that, you know, European consumers are perhaps keeping their hands in their pockets. So... so- I mean, I guess they don't really reveal too much detail about exactly where the weakness is. But but you're suggesting that this is quite a thin statement, actually. Yeah, I I was I I just thought I'd wanted a bit more detail than you know, it was very brief. You know, there wasn't really any any uh, detail on load factor or how the holidays business was doing and that kind of thing. And yeah, I'd have liked them to have said a bit more. And I was yeah, again, that's not that's not a good sign. Yeah, well, because as you as we I mean we've alluded to here, there are many moving parts here. Yeah, potentially. fuel as well. Well, fuel, yeah. which has become more expensive. Yeah. Um, no, no detail on that. But they, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're hedged. Fuel, they're yeah, hedged. They're hedged. Anyway. But fuel, fuel is hurting profits and will continue to do so for them for a while yet. Not an unusual thing in the air. Not an unusual no. thing. Um, no, no. You know, this this seems to be more a demand problem than than uh, a cost problem. Or is it? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's. I mean, the oil price ticked up a bit, um, but it's an issue. It's an industry issue. You know, Ryanair's got the same issue on fuel. Is it, so I'm. I'm really intrigued by you suggesting that. You know, I mean, these are pan-European businesses, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, so it's not just UK out to Europe or, no, or no. vice versa. So these are EasyJet is flying from European points of cities, point to point. Yeah. Uh, do we? I mean, how does that? Do you know how the business splits up in that respect? No. Or? Thanks, Phil. <laughs> but but, but, uh, but the detail would be really useful to understand yeah. where, where the where the demand weakness actually is. Yeah, um, I mean, I've not, you know, I think obviously I'm not a full time airline analyst, and I imagine you know the information is there to drill down into the mm. you know the roots. Possibly worth a look. We must, yeah, so I mean, let's go away and have a look. Also, they've got you know they've got the Berlin thing that they've taken on, and, and that's obviously a drag. But, but I, no detail on that. Not really. Not in, you know. In previous in previous statements, they've actually given the mix. You know, the you know the the Berlin Airport bit, Tegel, I think it's called, has been dragging down the yield, the passenger yield, the revenue per passenger, and um, yeah, they I, I I didn't like this statement. I thought they they said very little, and what they did say wasn't very good, mm. and I. I would worry about this one um, in that, again, there was a, ve- a big caveat in the statement that you expect prices, revenue per passenger to be positive in the second half of the year. And I just think, hmm. Ah, oh, second got- half-itis. Correct. Uh, yeah, and yeah if you've I love got, that. If you've got a lot of seats that you need to put backsides on, you might have to, you might have to uh, start slashing your fares. And when you start... Slashing your fares, it rarely works well for profits, and profit forecasts have been hammered on this one. I haven't booked holiday this year. This sounds good good news to me as uh, a consumer. I'm going EasyJet Monday. Excellent. Have I booked nothing? No, I have the plane I, uh, to myself. Absolutely. <laughs> sounds great. No, I've booked, I've booked nothing. I, I, I mean, I just don't know why. I just haven't got around to it. Actually, there's no, no reason apart from I haven't got around to it. No, I mean, and, and also, my awesome. kids are doing their GCSEs yeah. this year, which is another. There's some good bargains to be had. I can't wait. I can't wait, but we might buy from a package operator at the last minute, which brings us very neatly onto our our next uh, company for discussion on the beach, 
which is not one you've written about this week. Algae, it's algae. Algae's written about this yeah. in the stock screen. Now, on the beach, popped out of his genuine value screen, which is a really, it's it's a proprietary value screen that he he's built himself. It's worked very well for a couple of years. Although when markets go bad, it goes bad. And in the last quarter of last year, it went bad. Um, this year, it's, it's popped out quite a few companies. Uh, well, I don't know how many there are. Quite a few. Um, but but at the bottom of this this list is a company called On the Beach. And Algis looked at this company in detail. Uh, I don't think he's convinced, is a, is a polite way of putting no, I'm it. I'm not either. <laughs> um, he's put a, a very interesting graph here together looking at the, uh, the, the forecast trajectory yeah. of, of On the Beach. And it's, it's, uh, we talk about upgrade cycles, which are things we like. Yeah. This is a downgrade cycle. Well, if EasyJet is not, if EasyJet bookings are weak, on the beach, bookings are going to be weak as well because they make up they make a lot of their money booking booking seats on EasyJet planes. So explain to me the model. Essentially, it's a it's a it's a travel agent. And it's it's, been, an, it's it, an internet travel agent. Been um, around quite some time. Yeah, but not it, on the market for that long. No, it's you know it's an online. It's heavy investment in IT, and it buys spaces on planes and and rooms in hotels. Packages them up. Sells them as a as a package yeah, to an online with a, you know s- gives the simplicity to the customer saying just come on here a few clicks your holiday's done. We we have spoken about this company, but in the context of EasyJet, and yeah. and I think your concern about on the beach was that well EasyJet can do this too, uh, and it owns the planes, uh, and it's hardly started in this this sort of package holiday side yeah, of things. It's a cutting out the middleman argument, and and on the beach is the middleman. On the beach is the middleman. You know it owns the IT. And you know, yes, it is a it is a source of demand for the airlines in the hotels, no doubt. But you know, the airlines it might take a while. It might take a while. But the airlines saying, look, they look at they look at the margins that on the beach is making, and they're pretty chunky margins. And uh, you know, the risk is that they're going to say, look, I'm going to have some of this. This goes back to the old high margin argument again. Well, yeah, you know, high margin for what? You know, if you're making, you know, if you're making high margin for something that is very difficult for others to do, then you deserve that high margin. If you're doing something that perhaps somebody can come and do themselves, then you might want to mind your eye. And this is this is a business to me that I struggle to see how, you know, it doesn't own the proprietary assets. It's not like, you know, Thomas Cook or Tui that, you know, they own planes and they own hotels. Well, they're not exactly having a great time. No, they're I, not. I think, uh, actually, Thomas Cook uh, I, it popped into my head there as one of the big fallers this week. Shares yeah. down about 10%. Yeah, probably on the EasyJet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think, you know, what you know, what actually are you earning this margin for? Fair play to them. You know, they have, they have seen a, a market and they are a play on scale. This is, if we, you know, go back to the magazine article last week. High margin, high volume. It's a... If it works, that's the ideal business that you want to be invested in at the right price. And on the beach is a high margin, high volume business. And when you have a high volume business, the danger is that someone can come along and take some of that margin away and still make reasonable profits because they're selling lots of it. Yeah. And uh, EasyJet, Ryanair, um, I think they're going to want to take more of this market. Um, interesting that um, uh, my in-laws went went uh, went on an easy jet holiday actually. And they, yeah, it was good. 
I mean, it's just the booking process. You know, EasyJet have got all the data. They've got the volume. They they have the potential, if they choose to, to go to these hotels and say, we can buy, we can buy capacity. I, I, I mean, an interesting uh, point that Algie makes is one of the key costs of On the Beach is marketing. Yes. So, so in fact, the whole travel business is about spending heavily. Marketing and IT. Marketing, IT. But marketing is about 37% of 2018 sales, which is, which is a chunky number. Yeah. Uh, I guess EasyJet... I mean, they spent presumably spent a fair chunk on marketing yeah, yeah. too, but they but they can get more bang for their buck presumably if it's if they have that greater cross selling opportunity potentially. Yes. Um, but you know, I think I think the thing thing that sort of in, intrigues me with on on the beach is it's not difficult to replicate this, particularly if you're you're an airline and you've got the IT systems and you've got the you've got the company the company data. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the customer data. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced by this. Well, one thing Algie points out here is uh, that they they could potentially become a a, a packager of long long haul more long haul holidays than they currently are, which obviously EasyJet can't necessarily do. No, so an EasyJet won't go long. And probably. won't go there. No. Um, so so you know potentially they can they can change their business. Yeah. Uh, all I say is that I I looked at I've looked at on the beach from a customer experience, and I've I've gone on and booked the same holiday through on the beach as i've done by do it yourself on easyjet and you know a hotel by booking through the you know google and the hotel direct and i did it cheaper myself than on the beach yeah well last holiday i did i think we booked with fly b yeah. at south end airport uh snowbike roof yeah went to uh, vienna uh booked the hotel directly absolutely fine yeah, so I've done it directly. But people are lazy, though, aren't yeah. they, Phil? That's, that's what that's these companies it. rely that's on. That's it. So, so it's a play on laziness. A lot of things are a play on laziness. A lot laziness. of things are a play on, <laughs> play on laziness. And, you know, fair, you know, fair play. I'm just saying... Uh, this stuff is hard to research as well. It's I mean, hard actually, to research. It is hard to research. The and travel industry is terrible. Uh, well, not terrible, except, purposely, purposefully terrible. Except most of us are customers of it. Yeah. And therefore we have... You know, we have the ability to understand a little bit about it, but I just think, I just think it's margins. Le- I know, I know the margin is a function of scale and volume, but I, I think, I think that there's something there to be shot at with this this company. Mm, indeed. Um, okay, so from uh, from budget travel to uh, to luxury motors, yeah. Aston Martin. You were moaning before we got in here, Phil. Was I? Yeah, I wasn't moaning. Moaning? I was reminding you. I was reminding you. Bemoaning the fact that you hadn't got enough credit no, for your no, splendid no. call on Aston Martin. Uh, pre-flotation. Indeed. And I think you've got the shit. I think you put a valuation together at that point. I well. think so. So what I did was we did quite a detailed piece on this and we looked at we looked at the profits, we looked at how some of its financing and accounting was a bit sort of mind your eye. And uh, we shoved it. We just put put the put the trailing profits on the same multiple as Ferrari, which in in itself was a high multiple. And we got you know like a value for the equity of about I think it's about two and a half billion, which was worked out at about eleven twenty five a share. And this was back in late August, early September, just before it floated. Seems you seems you were generous. And um, I thought I thought that was a generous multiple to put on it. It was. These things got floated away for seventeen quid. We're now back at what eleven? No, 10, no, I think 11? we're less than that. I think we're less than that. We uh, t- we tipped it again, so we we have, we formally uh, sold it. 
last week. Formally. For, yeah. As formally as we, we get in the tip section. Alex, I mean, yeah. Alex um wrote a sell tip on this. He was looking at a very specific accounting detail, which was how they capitalised their development costs. They are capitalising shed loads of development expenditure. And it looks pretty... A pretty... couple of hundred million. It is... It's cash flow. Look at the cash flows on this. Two things on the cash flow. So it gets customer deposits in advance of delivery because people reserve their Aston Martin. And uh, they capitalise development expenditure on building the new models. And the cash flows look absolutely awful on this. And um, it's very difficult to have a lot of faith in these kind of businesses, in my opinion, because there's so much moving around in the cash flow statement. Um, well, they've had to raise some money. Oh, and well, that's... Uh, they, I mean, they've had to raise some more. They floated not that long ago and have had to raise some money through through debt. At quite high coupon as well. Yeah, what is it? Six and a half percent? Yeah, so oh, six yeah, and a half percent chunky. coupon. So, so I, I, I had a dis- debate with somebody on, on, on Twitter that I have, have high regard for. Uh, he's an ex, ex-bond trader. And I always, always think that credit analysts are pretty smart people. Well, they're, they're, the, they're the top of the... Tree, aren't they? I think from, they are, yeah. From, from you know, yeah, as sort of city folklore goes. I think that's uh, well deserved. I think absolutely. Uh, some of the, some of the best research actually I've ever seen has been written by uh, by credit agencies, credit investors. So the credit market saying I want six and a half percent. Credit investors saying I want six and a half percent interest. What's what's the PE on Aston Martin? So new miss forecasts thirty two and a half P of earnings. Uh, in 2019, the share price is about 10 quid. Yeah, so it's 30 times. Yeah, it's so an earnings yield of about 3%. So equity investors are getting 3%. Bond investors, they want want twice as much. Having said that, they're, they're pretty much doubling their forecast for the year after. So there's some optimism baked in there. It's going to double its profits. 57 and, 57.6p in 2020. Oh, let's keep our fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I interrupt. Well, so, yeah, earnings yield. Yeah, so yeah, the earnings yield at the moment is, you know, 3%. Bond investors saying they want more than double that. They want 6.5%. And bond investors get paid first. Mm. right? So shareholders are going to get paid afterwards. So usually that de- demands some kind of premium return. And, of course, Aston Martin or the brokers who are pushing Aston Martin say, oh, don't worry, you'll get that return in growth. But having said that, do you watch the Grand Tour? Uh, no. Right, so the Grand Tour, which is... Jeremy Clarkson and his friends on on Top Gear. Right, Richard the Hamster Hammond. That's the one. Last week's programme, I think it was, they actually were driving an Aston Martin DBS. Nice cars. Nice looking car, and it was up against a Bentley, posh Bentley and a BMW. And... It wasn't a very good ad- advertisement for a, for an Aston Martin, put it that way. Yeah, but it's an it's an Aston Martin. It's a it's a British classic. But then you know, well, is it is it British? Really, what? if you look at the bits that are in it, <laughs> come on, I'm not, I think that's stretching it a bit. Let's not go there. We've, we, we said we weren't going to talk about the B I mean, word. And nice looking, that, they're nice looking cars. I'm not sure about the shares. And uh, neither are we. We've still got it on a sale. We sold it last week. They're down 4% already. And yeah, this this fundraising, so soon after an IPO, it does. It does. Never buy an IPO is good advice, in my opinion. Never? But, well, unless the government's selling. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah. when the government's selling, fill your boots. <laughs> Well, they did sell Royal, Royal Mail, and that was... That did all right for a bit. For a bit. For a bit. Yeah, it got sold off very cheaply, but generally speaking, if you are buying an IPO off a private equity seller, uh, 
turn away because the, these guys usually sell out at the top and leave very little for the next man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Esther Martin. I mean, you, you put a valuation on them. I, I think you said as roughly eleven quid a share. Yeah. I mean, that, how generous was that? Don't know. Could it get much worse? Uh, if Numis forecasts are right, they'll say I'm a bit stingy. <laughs> 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 they've, got, they've got to work hard to get to that number. Yeah, though. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, this, this and, is, and we've got an economic backdrop. This is actually not helpful. Yeah, either. this is a company that's got a very checkered past, and you know the number of addressable the addressable market out there is not massive. No, you know it's not going to take much to to throw forecasts off off course here. Having said that, Ferrari they, they do all right. But, yeah. Uh, uh, they, they, yeah, but they've got they they've actually developed the Ferrari brand. You know, in terms of other merchandise, roller coasters in Dubai, that kind of is thing. Is it Dubai, Bahrain? I don't know. It's Bahrain, but it's, or is it Abu Dhabi? That's that's they've sort of done very well with that side of the business. Aston Martin would probably like to do the same, whether it can or not. Time will tell. Yeah, it'd be a very gentle roller coaster ride. Yeah, unless you're a shareholder. Yeah, <laughs> in which case it's been horrific. Enough about Aston Martin. Enough about travel. We've uh, we've done that theme to death. We're travel sick now. We are travel sick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very unusually coherent podcast in terms of what we've we've covered. But uh... yeah, I mean, we could have talked about we could have talked about hostile world and stuff like that. To oh God, keep, keep it going. Oh, but... shall we talk about that from luxury to budget? That, that... Yeah, go on then. Go on. We got five minutes. This is this has been a bit of a <laughs> bit of a, a rough share as well. And uh... well, I mean, it's certainly a share whose whose product I doubt I will ever be buying. Not not at your age, no. No. <laughs> Thanks, or Phil. mine. Thanks, Phil. Your kids might. My kids might. Oh, God, no. My kids wouldn't. They're, uh, they, they, they have expensive tastes. I, I think they would rather not go on holiday than stay in a hostel. Yeah. Well, I think there's a really good lesson in this um, for investors, and it's about, about something called operational gearing, which, in layman's terms, tells you the impact on profits from a change in sales due to the amount of fixed overhead a company has, fixed costs. And this is a business with a lot of fixed costs. Admittedly, there's a marketing side in there, but if you don't market, you don't have any sales, so mm. you've got to spend marketing money. So what is it? It owns, owns, host, owns hostels no, or, or operates them? It's, it's a, it, it's, it sells them. So it's, just a, it's a middleman? It's an agent. Right. And um, it, um, it charges commission on the sales so it make it takes a cut of the booking revenue from the hostels puts that over you know marketing cost it cost that kind of thing and one of the things it's done which is really interesting this year is that it has um offered more cancellation options in its sales and it has to account for them differently now so the bit of the, some of the sales that can get cancelled, it actually can't count as sales. It has to count them as deferred income, and that's seen the profits fall a lot. But even stripping that out, there's not a lot of growth in this business. But the, see, the revenues have come down, the costs have stayed the same, and the profits have absolutely tanked. You know, the operating the operating profit of the business has come down by over forty percent. Operating margins down thirteen point seven to eight point two percent. These dividends dividends being cut, and this this business looks like one that's run out of steam. And it's interesting that the commission rate that they've been charging on on bookings has been going up quite a lot. 
So that's been that's been taking a bigger bite out of the the, the revenues of the of the sellers of their customers. The cancellation bit as well is obviously they have to offer that now to generate the sales. So this looks like a business to me that is struggling, mm. struggling to grow, and. Um, the market has taken a similar view and it just looking at the figures today i mean the business is not in bad shape you know financially it's not it's not in bad shape uh um, it's not a growth business yeah uh, it, it's the question it's the question of growth and um but it it shows what what the results show as a lesson for investors is that if you're investing in high fixed cost businesses and the revenue starts to fall, then the the impact on your profits, and as we've seen with hostile world on the dividends, can be very severe. Mm. That and that dividend that cut is pretty pretty savage. And that's 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 something that people don't want to see. No, people, at all. No, exactly. Often yeah. what they bought the shares for. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that completes our uh, tour. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Very uh, nice, nice thematic podcast there. Let me just talk you through what else we've got in the magazine uh, this week. Uh, the cover feature is about uh, cycles, uh, something that often gets talked about by analysts in particular, and which never really gets explained properly. So we've tried to do that this week. EasyJet is a very good example of uh, of a business that can be described as cyclical, as you said, Phil, because in uh, in times of economic weakness, people travel less, which is possibly what we're seeing with this uh, this uh, leisure sector right now lots in the uh, news section uh, we've got something on outsourcing we talked about that recently super dry very fascinating story there uh, the founder julian dunkerton making a very uh, interesting comeback i think he won his vote by uh 51% or something uh, and the rest so, of the board walked out and the rest of the board walked out yeah. so uh, yeah. yeah very uh, resounding victory there for julian dunkerton uh, rolls royce another business connected to the uh, travel industry having some trouble uh, again, with its engines. Yeah, not been a good time for the uh, aerospace industry in the last no, few weeks. It's no. not, uh, that's maybe something we'll talk about uh, in future. Results winding down, but there's a few interesting companies in there. Uh, sticking to the travel tip theme, we have AA. If you're travelling through the uh, uh, motorways of England and, uh, and, and stopping off at some of the uh, motorway services, you may have to call upon the AA at some point, but unfortunately... Or you'll get hassled by someone <laughs> from the AA getting you to sign up. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Not really working, though. No. Uh, still, uh, Time Out, which uh, has expanded into a global travel markets business. Uh, and uh, lots of... Oh, Eddie Slobart, not really travel. Just tra- it's just travel, travel, travel. Travel, travel, travel yeah. uh, and transport. We've, uh, we've got a really interesting feature in the personal finance uh, and funds section this week, uh, looking at Neil Woodford, who has come under some uh, savage fire recently for, for, for the poor performance of his funds. Um, we've, we've got two views on the, the funds team there. Uh, Leonora Walters thinks, uh, thinks we should stick with Woodford. Uh, Taha Lokandwala is not convinced, and I'm sure they will discuss that on their podcast tomorrow. Um, and all you, the usual tips and comments. And by the way, I apologise, John Barron has been otherwise occupied this week. His, uh, his column will be in the magazine next week anyway thank you all for listening pick up the magazine in all good wh smiths and other news agents uh how to beat boom and bust why understanding economic cycles can make you a better investor and uh, we'll be back next week thank you